listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. jump right into a few things that, uh, that right off the top I've noticed have happened in just the last couple of hours with WWE. There is one, a confirmation that one of their live performers had COVID-19, but they haven't released who it is. The person was not at SmackDown on Friday and is not part of what they call the active roster, which is changing constantly because not all of them are out there every single week. The second thing is that Vince McMahon announcing they're going back to live TV. So, uh, to me, a lot going on already today when it comes to WWE. Yeah, crazy stuff going on. Yeah, I um, I just saw last night, too, that there was reports about at least one person. There was also another report that said there at least there were three people, but um, a lot of it is unsubstantiated. You know, I don't believe everything they say on the Internet, but, uh, yeah, there was a report that there was an internal, internal memo released within WWE that... Um, there was one employee that tested positive. It was a non-active roster performer. So from what I'm gathering, it's not a wrestler, but at the same time, it's still dangerous if that person was is going to be anywhere close to actual people who are working the regular television. Well, the, the interesting thing, too, with um, when you look at the live TV thing with WWE is that it seems like the contracts make WWE put out a live show 49 out of 52 weeks that they have with television. Now, the crazy thing about that is we're in the middle of a pandemic and there had to have been a phone call somewhere. I mean, everybody's going to deny it, but somewhere along the line, it sounds like these people are now being forced into a situation next to each other. When if you're doing film, you could actually just have an announcer and two wrestlers and the next day do a completely different thing and actually separate them more and make it safer for the performers. But somebody's playing games with the contracts. It's either Vince is overreacting. He's worried or one of these TV networks has made a phone call and said, you're in violation of your contract. If you do these taped, which boggles the mind when you think about the fact that all these other sports are shut down, that somebody would do that. Yeah. It does boggle my mind. I mean, you don't see anybody, you don't see ESPN or, uh, ABC pressuring the NBA um, because the NBA obviously hasn't played in over a month now. I mean, unless somebody made a call from the network, I think Vince McMahon probably is jumping the gun and overreacting. And I guess the insistence now is that they do the shows live. Every show that's coming up starting this week with Raw on Monday, NXT on Wednesday, SmackDown on Friday, and these will be coming from Orlando's Performance Center and Another note on that, too, is I'm trying to figure out what's going on with um, why they're doing these shows. The state of Florida has, has a stay-at-home order. So, I mean, WWE being an essential business, I think some people have reported on the Internet that Vince McMahon is using the um, guise of WWE as a media product. So that's why these shows are continuing the way they are. But my, 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 my problem with the live 
element of this is at this point with the pandemic going on, I thought they had the right idea before with just, you know, minimal people, close set, get it done over a span of just a few days straight, send everybody home, make sure everybody's okay, make sure this thing passes over. I thought that was probably the smarter move, but I'm not just, I'm not sure about this whole, you know, let's try to do it live thing just because of the health and safety of the performers and of any employee for the company. Well, we said that this was going to happen eventually. Somebody at WWE was going to contract the coronavirus. What's amazing is that not only did they contract it, but they had it and they've recovered from it before it was released. So while we're watching the WrestleMania buildup and we're watching WrestleMania and we're saying, man, hopefully nobody gets this. There was somebody already that had it and was fighting through it. And so like, and so you don't know who else has it within the company right now. And they're not telling you because they're not going to tell you until it's over. Like we won't find out if one of these performers is in critical condition until it's over. And, and because they're they're doing their best to try to hide what's going on. Look, radio stations around the country, around the world, are mainly broadcasting now from home. Every radio professional that I know and their media, they're all broadcasting from home. Jimmy Fallon's from home. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's from home. Uh, Stephen Colbert's from home. There are news reporters. I mean, there's a really funny video on the Internet where this this young news reporter is trying to do a report for her kitchen on something, and her father comes walking out of the bathroom putting his shirt on in the background. I mean, it, it, it's like everybody else <clears throat> from a media organization is working from home. So the fact that Vince is insisting on going back live, you almost think that either he's crazy, and we all think Vince McMahon is crazy, or somebody is threatening something. Now, if it means there's one or two live segments that night, and they still continue to show a lot of pre-taped stuff in the middle of it, and they can get away with it, maybe maybe that maybe the whole idea is that we want to call ourselves live, have at least one or two things in there live, and a lot of pre-taped vignettes. Maybe Maybe that's what the plan is. You would hope that's the case because, look, if if one of the workers, if one of the wrestlers had COVID-19, I would suggest that at least a couple more will show signs eventually. I can't imagine one person in there with all that close contact and nobody else catches it. It's a crazy situation like that. And, and I think w, part of WWE's issue is, too, that they're still trying to forge ahead with upcoming events. Uh, Money in the Bank is the next pay-per-view, I believe May the 10th or whatever the first, the second Sunday in May is, is Money in the Bank. It was supposed to be in Baltimore, but obviously Royal Farms Arena has already made the call to not have that show as this whole thing continues. Uh, thumbs up to them because, you know, obviously you don't want to, uh, 15,000 fans uh, possibly getting exposed. This soon was still the pandemic still kind of ripping through the country. So, yeah, they're still trying to put on money in the bank, which may also be similar to WrestleMania uh, at the Performance Center with a close set, no crowd, et cetera, et cetera. So they're still going to try to build TV shows and storylines toward that. So I think that's part of their pressure of trying to do that, to keep people entertained. And you do bring up a great point with the networks. I mean, I don't think that networks would be unreasonable unless they think – they're starting to lose money. Like, say, Fox feels like they may be starting to lose a little bit of money here and there. This is just pure speculation. Maybe they feel it's underperforming or something like that. 
And maybe this is a way they can get an out on the deal and Vince is scared. You never know. That could be what's going through his mind. Well, look, Vince just had to fold the XFL. He folded it this week. So obviously the professional sports have been told by the media agencies, look, we're not getting any advertising because that's not happening. Advertising's down. Listenership is down. It's across all formats from TV to radio to to podcast. I, I've looked at the data. Everything is down. And so advertising is down because some companies can't survive or can't operate. So the money is dried up in this medium. And I guarantee you, the NBA isn't getting paid any money right now in any of their deals because they're not playing. And MLB is not getting paid any money. They're not getting any TV revenues. So if the, if the, if the television broadcast don't think it's worth the money, what they're paying, because Vince doesn't get paid. If he takes the product off the air, he doesn't get paid. And, and so he's trying to find a way to still get paid. And the television networks might be like, yeah, that's great. You're putting this thing out here, but nobody's watching. They're all, they're all streaming the Ozarks. Like everybody's changed their, their habits for viewing things and nobody's watching what you're doing. And so this could be a struggle back and forth. And I find it to be incredibly fascinating because in reality, they're the only sports organization. Let's call them that just for this argument. The only sports organization still operating. And, and that. And, and you would think that there'd be more people wanting that content, but the, the fact of the matter is there isn't a lot of people that have advertising dollars to spend right now. They're just trying to hang in there and keep their own business together. So the, it doesn't matter if he's got a product out there. Nobody may want to pay for it. Yeah, it's a very difficult situation with advertisers and all that right now. Yeah, I, I think all we are struggling with that right now as we're talking. And uh, speaking of vast going on AEW actually still doing dynamite as well. Supposedly they've had a, a bunch of shows taped recently to fill the next maybe four, five, six weeks of TV on TNT. Um, they were doing some tapings down in Jacksonville for a while, down at the little uh, Tony Khan and Shad Khan's little outdoor little venue, which is attached to the Jaguars football stadium. But now I think the last couple have come from a place in Georgia, if I uh, read the reports correctly. Close set, little place. Uh, they did a good job of sprucing it up. And so they're still running their shows as well. But as far as I know, there's nothing live coming from them, for at least for a while. The most logical thing to do is the idea that you go, okay, guys, here's the deal. We're, we're going to have to get everybody home, and, and nobody wants to come in week to week. So we, as professional wrestlers, have done the circuit before where we wrestle six out of seven nights. So this week we're going to rattle off six weeks of shows because in the end, it just lets write six weeks of shows, do six weeks, spread them out. Everybody go home for a month and a half because it's the safest thing to do. And, and it, I would be interested to see over the next couple of weeks, if WWE just kind of pivoting and looking at what AEW is doing and what WWE feels that they have to do with the live shows, will it be the same group coming in that's always live, but everything, but you're going to see like certain things happening, which may suggest that, that some guys taped like a week's worth and they sent them home because it would be silly to just keep bringing guys in and sending them out. The logistics of this is not only crazy, but fascinating because AEW, it seems like is able to do the safest thing possible. Guys, we're going to spend a week. Let's go all get in here. Quarantine yourself from everybody else. Let's keep things as safe as possible. We're all moving into a hotel down the street. We're going to do six weeks of show and everybody go home. 
And if you feel good in six weeks, we'll get back together. We'll do another six weeks until this is over. That's the right way to do it. The smartest way to do it. But it doesn't look like WWE can do that. But AEW at least seems to have the best path at this point for safety. Yeah, they have a little bit more of a plan, a concrete plan in terms of safety. I agree with that. And WWE is um, obviously still doing what they're doing. But real quick, an aside on AEW, you, you know that Jake the Snake Roberts is over there now managing Lance Archer. So basically, he's done some of the shows. He's been coming on doing promos and stuff like that. And after the latest taping, DDP who Jake is living with now since DDP kind of helped him get back on the path, get over his addictions and his demons and stuff like that. The DDP yoga, uh, the accountability club. So DDP has his house in Atlanta or suburban Atlanta. And that's where Jake had been living for the last few years. And DDP tells Jake, man, you've been out. Unfortunately, I can't let you back in for a while. So Jake had to stay in a hotel for like a week or so before DDP relented, let him back in. But that's just for DDP's safety. And uh, obviously, him being 64 years old and Jake probably being in his 60s as well, there was a huge concern, you know, with the whole spread going on. I mean, DDP seems like a very, very healthy guy for his age, being 64. Jake, however, has had his ups and downs. And I totally understand what DDP was thinking there, keeping Jake away for a while. I mean, everybody's taking their own precautions with this whole thing. I think it was... um, a little bit of an interesting story. I just wanted to tell you that. Well, my, my own mother won't uh, come close to me. My father and mother talked to us through the door and uh, they came by for Easter and stood at the end of the walkway while the kids sat on the porch and had a 20 minute conversation with us. So, I mean, I get if DDP doesn't want Jake the snake to come in his house, I, I completely understand it because it's, it's even tougher here over in the Lanuti house. Now I want to ask you a quick question about something else that popped up on the internet and I want to get your thoughts on it. On Twitter this past week, Ronda Rousey caused some trouble. Now, I remember when Ronda first hit the national scene, like where she was already doing well at UFC, and then she starts putting on makeup and dresses and showing up in movies, and she got that next level thing, and, you know, she's not hard to look at, and she's she, she had some chops when she was in some action movies, and everything's going great for her, and you kind of want people like that to be good people that you're like, that person's cool. But it also seems like there are times where she opens her mouth and you're like, wow, she's a jerk. And it seems like she was acting like a big jerk this week. And a couple of WWE wrestlers took a, a, they took offense to the fact that she was on a podcast talking about how she thought all the fans were a bunch of jerks and that it was fake fighting. And Alexa bliss got very angry and there was some back and forth on the, on the internet. Some people think this is a work There's part of me that's, well, basically the majority of me that just thinks, no, this is Ronda Rousey, and she was unhappy with something at WWE, and she's uh, got no problem ripping the product and ripping those that are there. What's your thoughts? I think you can go either way, honestly. I I think there's there's a part of me saying, yeah, she's one tough tough person, and um, I was going to say something else, but I didn't want to get bleeped, but uh, she's one tough person, and um, she has strong opinions about things. But part of me is like, yeah, this is professional wrestling. And she knows how to work the people just as good as any wrestler, other wrestler out there. And uh, she's done this a couple of times before on her YouTube show when she was on the roster where she came on and basically the fans and, and kind of said things similar to this too. And this is was leading up to WrestleMania last year for the big three-way match with her, Charlotte, Flair, and Becky Lynch. 
So there actually is history of this with her, you know, on the active roster. So I think she might be working a little bit. I think there probably is or was an opportunity for her to return this year at WrestleMania, but with what happened with the coronavirus, I think that may have gotten uh, pushed out a little bit. Uh, obviously with Becky and Shayna Baszler, who's um, one of Ronda's longtime friends, training partners, and they see the, the MMA for horsewomen. So I, there was definitely kind of an opening with that uh, storyline possibility going on there too. The thing with Ronda I never got is that she never, look, she was a, a spectacular, real life, like fighting machine. But when she had to go to the pomp and circumstance of intros and coming in and playing the crowd and even walking down the ramp and presenting herself before and afterwards and, and just everything going on, even the storytelling in the ring, she never really got it. In my opinion, she was stiff she she was it was unnatural sometimes when she would give a look to the crowd or even soak in what was going on. She you could I can feel that as somebody who's done performance basically when, with radio and morning radio and theater of mind and how you portray feelings over the airwaves and watched enough wrestling. There was something that was unnatural there with her. She didn't seem like she was unnatural at playing any kind of a role. I remember when she was in the Expendables that there were rumors coming off of the set that she was having a difficult time just delivering the lines in the ways that they wanted them to do it because emotion is not something she's very good at faking. So I never got the whole Ronda Rousey forever push in WWE because she never felt to me like somebody that could could last a long time and be able to evolve as a character. She's just one thing. She's very one-dimensional. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I... um. With Rhonda, I mean, I'm maybe not as harsh on her as a lot of people are, but I do see where people, you're coming from where you're saying that she's stiff in the ring in terms of her personality or her, her acting ability. Yeah, I've definitely seen that over a year and a half or so that she was there uh, performing in the ring. I thought she brought a credible style to the wrestling ring, and I think she has a passion for it, unlike Brock Lesnar, but, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with the fact that she is a little kind of stiff or kind of like John Cena was on uh, Total Divas and Total Bellas when he was dating Nikki Bella. He kind of came off pretty robotic in terms of conveying real human emotion rather than his uh, kind of his wrestling character, which he's really good at. That's a perfect That's a perfect contrast, though, that you just gave with Brock. And with Ronda, now remember, now Brock was a was an amateur wrestler, okay? He, he went and he wrestled in college, and then he went to WWE, went to OVW, and then he ended up, and he had Paul Heyman showing him how to do things. So he has much more of an advantage at this stuff than Ronda, but they never make him do more than what he's capable of. He, he comes out and most of the time doesn't talk. He's portrayed as a fighter, he stands there and kind of bounces on the ring and then he comes down nice and slow and all he has to do is just kind of look around at the crowd and and then go fight. Ronda was like they try to add like lines and acting and even her song. I'm sorry, her entrance thing and picking up the Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, like look when it felt like it was, I, I mean, to me, it was just rushed and forced so much. It, I, I almost kind of blame creative as well because they, they should have treated her more like Brock. She should have just kind of she should have just kind of come out and walked down to the ring as a fighter because they should have realized very early on she that was all she was going to be personality wise, at least. Actually, kind of like your take on that. Um, 
I think maybe he should be more like the current Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar should be a little bit more diversified like he was in his first uh, run back in 2002 to 2004. That Brock Lesnar actually was very versatile with what he did in the ring. He even came off the rope a few times, did some uh, some shooting star presses. He had some more arsenal to his offense. Now it basically comes in just three or four moves back. So that may be over counting it, maybe two or three moves. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with the uh, with your comparisons there of the two. Well, yeah, I mean, you go back and you look at the old Brock stuff. I mean, go on WWE Network right now and look at the ruthless aggression thing on Brock Lesnar and it shows the incredible ability that he had in ring and the things that he could go and do and like he was really he, and, and and it actually talks about if I'm not mistaken in that video that he was getting bad advice where people were saying he should just be a two or three move guy and come in and brute force people and it was Heyman that was telling him no go up on the rope no go and do these crazy moves you're like the only guy that can move that way and be that big and now, I don't know if it's like he doesn't want to do it or because of the fact that he has, WWE loves that legitimacy of, oh, this guy was actually in UFC. He proved he was a real fighter. Get him in there and just focus on that. And they've done that. And if you think about it, they've done that with uh, Jack Swagger in AEW. Okay. They, they don't, they don't mention anything about WWE. They go right from the fact that he was in the, he was in the octagon and now he's there. In Bellator, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like what they're doing with Hager, too. And speaking of Hager, a real quick plug for this week's AEW Dynamite. Jake Hager's getting the title shot against uh, John Boxley for the AEW Championship. Obviously, this match has already been recorded. I'm not sure if there's any spoilers out there. Not that I care for spoilers. But supposedly, reports are it was a really, really good match in an empty arena. So this Wednesday night, TNT, John Boxley, Jake Hager should be a hell of a fight. My apologies to Jake Hager. I went to one of his old names. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what people know him as, though. He was Jack Swagger for probably close to a decade in WWE. So, and he was also a former world champion in WWE. Believe it or not, the uh, the big gold belt, not the WWE championship, but the big gold belt. He actually won money in the bank. And here's the thing: ironically enough, he cashed in on Chris Jericho who he's now uh, aligned with in the inner circle. So a lot of these things come, uh, come full circle when it comes to uh, some of these storylines in real life. Mike, as we head towards the last five minutes here of the program, and of course the phone lines are open if anybody wants to talk wrestling, is there anything going on locally right now, or is everything just shut down? Unfortunately, everything's pretty much shut down, and then that's, for the, um, that's for the benefit of the wrestlers and also the promoters not wanting to get in any trouble, and it's very, very smart business for them. Uh, however, some local companies are still out there kind of promoting their brands through streaming services or adding old shows to streaming services. They're trying to push the T-shirts and merchandise stores at Pro Wrestling Tees, which is a smart idea. Because a lot of these guys uh, may or may not have different jobs. And even if they did have a secondary job, that job may be shut down as well. So, I mean, it's kind of a tough time for local independent wrestlers. Uh, as both of their jobs might be uh, shut down or limited. So um, if you get a chance, uh, support your favorite wrestler in some way. Go to their pro wrestling key shop, buy a shirt from them. Or some of them even have, like, cameos. Like our buddy Steve Michaels from a couple weeks ago, he's doing cameo videos now for uh, fans who request them for a, a nominal fee. So obviously that's money going toward the guys who may not be working right now as well. 
So support your local wrestlers however you can, even during this pandemic. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking about, and, and, and I've seen a lot of the data. I, I have a lot of friends in radio. I've been put into a couple of groups with people that are broadcasters. I've looked at what's going on with sports talk radio as a whole. I can only compare what's going on with wrestling to what's going on with the rest of professional sports. And the problem is you can run as many old things as you want to, but you're going to basically get the same ratings that ESPN Classic has gotten. And that's not big. Like, I know people feel like, oh, people want to see sports and that's great. But the problem is, is that if it's something where you already know the result, it kind of kind of sucks the feeling out of it a little bit for you. And and that's the that's the problem going on right here is that you have a bunch of performers that want to perform. It's all they do is perform and they can't perform. And it's very hard to still bring in eyes and then advertising dollars until we're able to get back to something where you're, you're able to present something. I mean, the perfect example is this. I do a podcast, and we do a bunch of them here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, and I do a podcast called Socks in the Basement. You know about this, Mike. So I have that one. There's one that I do for the Pittsburgh Pirates as well because I have a friend of mine out in Pittsburgh called Bucks in the Basement. Now, looking at both of those shows, both of them took a dip because there's no socks or Pirates stuff to talk about. I mean, everybody's got the same story. By the time you get to me, you've heard every take on it because everybody is talking about the one thing that came out over the last 10 days about that team and it was something minor you probably wouldn't even have reported on. It's over. There's nothing going on. So everything's dipping. And I just said to myself, and I was like, you know what I'll do is I'll I'll make up games. Now, not replay episodes, not replay old interviews, nothing like that. I actually took MLB The Show 20 and started playing it on my TV and hooked up a microphone to it, took away the announcers that were there, and I'm simulating the White Sox season. That one actually recovered like that because people wanted to hear something new, even if it was fake. I get I get comments over the weekend. I have people sending me stuff, pictures of themselves sitting in their backyards, listening to a fake baseball game. So people are still starved for entertainment. But I feel like if you know the ending, there's that thing. There's that reason that we watch sport. It's the same reason why people watch pro wrestling. It's the anticipation and not knowing what's going to happen. And and that's why that one's working as opposed to so many other things that people have tried. And, you know, I can only go off of the data that I have in front of me and the real life things that I've seen. And I think that's why Vince is still trying to get it going and AEW is still trying to put stuff out there because you can't rely on just recycling things. Like I skip through these matches on raw when they're like, let's go back to the Royal rumble from three years ago. I'm like, I don't care. I fast forward an hour and a half. Yeah. I don't care. I've already, I already know what happens. Yeah. The live element is so important in sports and in professional wrestling. And then as an aside too, even NASCAR and IndyCar running simulated races through video games now too. Right. It's a serious thing where they're actually prize money and all that too. I actually watched one of the IndyCar things a couple weeks ago. It was quite interesting. And this is from someone who hasn't really watched a whole lot of auto racing on TV. I actually kind of dug it a little bit. I think I think WWE or a local promoter should use an old wrestling video game and he should just start putting <laughs> up matches with silly storylines in the thing and just like get a little animation going. I would watch that more, I think, than, if I, than somebody telling me, go back and watch an old match that I've already seen before. Yeah, one more thing real quick before we go, because I know we're probably running out of time. I just want to mention that on last week's NXT... If you recall, WrestleMania had a couple of those 
kind of cinematic matches, and the, the grave, the, I'm sorry, the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and Undertaker, and obviously the Firefly Funhouse match or exhibition between Cena and The Fiend. NXT had Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in an empty arena, nobody else around. This is actually taped at a place where uh, they, I don't think they usually tape stuff, and they just had a knockdown drag out. It was presented in cinematic form with no announcers or anything like that. They just beat the crap out of each other for maybe four or five segments. It was like 40, 45 minutes of uh, crazy action, guys going through tables. And the match ends where Johnny Gargano's wife, who's also a performer, Candice LeRae, came out and she's like, I hate my husband, and, and kicks, kicks him right in the nuts. And then Gargano sells it, and Champa's kind of like, hmm, this is interesting, I'm going to go for the kill here. And as he steps towards Gargano, LeRae kicks Champa from behind, right in the nuts, and then Gargano pulls out a protective cup from his pants, and after that, he just goes ahead and pins Champa. Now, this is a rivalry that's been going on for probably three years now, off and on. Great rivalry, probably the, the best feud NXT's ever seen. I thought the presentation was really, really cool. Uh, WWE brands are hitting a home run with these cinematic type matches, and I just wanted to get that out there. I really, really enjoyed that. It was a terrific match, terrific storytelling. And Gargano, who's now the heel over Champa, who initially was the heel when he first turned on Gargano. So this story's kind of done a little bit of a 180 in terms of who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And now Gargano actually got the upper hand in what was supposed to be the bluff to that feud. So it'd be interesting to see where both of these guys go from here. I have a feeling Champa is going to get a little visit from newcomer Killer Cross in the coming weeks. So we'll have to see how that goes. Well, Mike, I think we've done yeoman's work this week with no real pro wrestling out there except for what's uh, happening in WWE and AEW. I want you to stay well, my friend. We'll be back next week for Windy City Slam live on Mondays at 12 noon on the Podbean app and then release on Tuesday morning by the time that you wake up. Remember, Windy City Slam can be found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Just screaming because my name, I 